Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, I want to speak a message on worship this morning. In particular, I want to speak on the subject of the fragrance of worship. And uh, this is something that is obviously close to my heart, being a worship pastor and something that I'm very passionate about. And uh, I really want to speak around this subject this morning. Pastor Timothy Keller says this quote, Everyone worships something. The only choice you get is what to worship. We all worship something, don't we? It's the truth. You know, if some people, they are worshiping their, their money. Uh, other people, they're, they're worshiping their, their, their career, their job. Other people, they, they are, they're worshiping their desires. Maybe they're pursuing pleasure or popularity or possessions. And for other people, this day and age, it's, uh, it's on the rise. People are even worshiping themselves. You know, this is something that we need to speak about because the, the Bible speaks about this subject that we need to be aware of. You know, we are created to worship. And the truth is we're all worshiping something. And, and that, that challenge is the choice we get to, to make today is what will you worship? What sort of worship will, will your life display today? You know, are you worshiping your own needs, your own desires, your own wants? Or are you here Worshipping Jesus. You know, I want us to turn in our Bibles to John chapter 12 as we look at this idea, this subject of the fragrance of worship. It says, Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some of it for himself. And Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. See, Mary comes in this, this extravagant act, this, this act of extravagant worship, and she, and she comes as Jesus has arrived, and they prepared this banquet, this meal, in honor of Jesus as he's traveling around, coming to the, to the end of his time and ministry here on earth, and, and she comes out and she bows at Jesus' feet and pulls out this perfume, this expensive perfume, and starts to to uh, anoint Jesus' feet with this perfume and begins to, to dry off his feet with her hair. See, this was an amazing thing that she did that day and, 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 it, and it created quite a stir as people were in that place and, and gathering around. And I want to look at this passage a little bit deeper this morning to, to really identify what was so extravagant, what was so important about what Mary did that day. You know, the truth is that as we st start to look at this subject of, of perfume, of fragrance, you know, Mary came and brought something that was precious to her. 
We've got to think about this. If you, if you go out and you buy a perfume, maybe, gentlemen, you might uh, buy an aftershave or a cologne, you'll pick something that is precious, that is with your taste, right? It's your liking. We need to understand that Mary that day had, had given Jesus something that she valued herself. It was hers. She'd gone out and she had purchased it. She'd purchased it as Judas Iscariot right here identifies with a whole year's worth of her money. I can't even think about what sort of perfume that would have been. To, 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 uh, to come to that amount. I mean, this is extravagant. And she comes to Jesus that day, and she doesn't just give him something that he, that he might like. She actually gives him something that she loves, that it's precious to her. That's what worship is, church. When we come to Jesus, I, I sometimes wonder whether Jesus will, will challenge us it's fine to say, Jesus, you like, you like this moment in the, in the meeting, and you like the singing, and you like when I raise my hands, but what about the things that are precious to you? What about the things that you hold on to in your life that maybe you've started to, to put on equal footing with Jesus? Maybe you've even elevated it in your time, in your attention, in your devotion. And I wonder whether today as we come around this subject of worship, whether you would be willing to sacrifice and give something to Jesus that is precious to you. What's precious to you today? What things do you spend your time thinking about, pursuing, prioritizing? I wonder whether you'd be willing to come and bring that to Jesus. You know, worship is personal. Worship is giving something of yourself. Worship is not, don't, we can't just uh, uh, reduce worship to the moment of church where we gather together where we sing some songs, we can't reduce worship to something that, that we even, you know, maybe it's a performance, something that we put on. Worship needs to be something that is poured out of our heart to Jesus. It's got to be personal. It's got to be something that's real. God, I, I bring this to you. It's precious to me, but I, but I put it into your hands. I bow at your feet today. See, there's something about worship that's both personal and public at the same time. And here in this moment, we see that Mary is willing to do something that's extravagant. She was even willing to, to humble herself in that, in that moment, in that position, and not worry about what other people would think. I mean, straight away, we started to hear the, the, the murmurings. You know, uh, Judas Iscariot says, that, oh, this was a... This was a, 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 a an incorrect, a bad act that she did. She shouldn't have done that. She, he starts to straight away begin to judge her actions. Isn't that funny how people would try and sort of put a, you know, a moral bend, a moral slant on something. Maybe it's even a religious or spiritual. You shouldn't have done that. You should have sold the money. I mean, sold the perfume and given the money to the poor, you know, because there's poor people out there. And of course, we, we know that Judas here has is, is got an ulterior motive. But, but, you know, sometimes we can come and it's like, you know, we want to just go for it in worship. We want to, as Pastor Frank has said, why don't we have a moment where you'd be even willing to cry? You'd be willing to, to do something that's a little bit 
maybe even undignified at times, but it's like, no, in church, this is how we act. In our life, we need to be reverent. We need to do these things. We need to make sure that we have a certain persona, a certain image. But right here, Mary doesn't care anymore about what other people think. She comes to the point and says, I love you, Jesus. I'm going to bow down before you, and I'm going to anoint you with the perfume. Perfume. It's amazing when you think about this perfume, and this is my wife's perfume, and it's not mine, by the way, just in case you just were wondering. But I was thinking about what could have Mary offered Jesus that day. I mean, I, I've just never heard of, I mean, look, I've bought some perfume, and, and I'd like to think it was relatively expensive. I'd like to think it was something that was nice, but I've never contemplated buying anyone that sort of perfume that would cost a whole year's wage to be honest with you if I did that my wife would probably like hit me and actually like uh, metaphorically hit me of course not not literally we don't we don't you know we say no to that sort of stuff um but but you know what I'm talking about I mean this 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 idea that someone I, I actually thought is there even such a thing as a perfume that would cost a whole year's worth of a salary you know, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, just to put everyone on the same page here, tells us that the average person who is living and working in Australia in 2019 will earn the average wage of $85,000. $85,000. Now, a few of you guys are going, man, I need to get a pay rise. Um, but, you know, $85,000 is, based on these statistics, the average wage in Australia in 2019. $85,000, I thought, I can't even get my head around this idea that someone would buy perfume, anything that would be worth $85,000. Could you imagine someone coming to church? And they would bring, you know, I have never had $85,000, clearly. Um, I have never, but I've watched movies, and I've seen people come in with those big bags full of money. And, and, I, and I understand what that might look like. Could you imagine we're having a worship service? Jesse and Camille are leading. Come on, church, we're going to just worship Jesus. We're going to offer a sacrifice. And I go, you know what? I've got $85,000. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to take it outside, not inside, but outside. And I'm going to start to get my $100 bills and start to make a little pile, $5,000, $10,000, $15,000, right up to $85,000. By that time, we've got a little bit of a tension happening because what the heck is Mark doing right now? He's lost his mind. And uh, we've got a, a uni and, uh, and, uh, and Richard out there. Uh, we've got um, Avram. We've got all the different, you know, we've even got some pastors starting to, there's, you know, something's happened to Pastor Mark. He's lost his mind. He's, I didn't even know that he had $85,000, but he's actually arrived with it and he's made a mound out in the grass area. And not only is that, I pull out a lighter and I start to make a fire, and people go, what the heck are you doing? I'm like, I'm making a sacrifice. I'm making a Jesus fire. I'm making my worship in a, in a, in a Jesus fire to Jesus. That's my worship. And they'd say, you have lost your mind. Who would, just give me a wave if you thought, I would, I've lost my mind if I would do such a thing. We see Judas Iscariot here, and we understand he's the bad guy in this equation. But I think that most people would think, what was she doing that day? I understand. It's a great thing to come and wash Jesus' feet. But did you have to use the perfume 
that was worth a whole year's wage to do such an act. I did some research, church, and I thought, what actually is the most expensive perfume you can buy? And you know, there is a perfume that is commercially available, just in case anyone might want to go out and buy it, and it is called Clive Christian Absolute Osmanthus, Osmanthus, I think is actually, I don't even know how to say that, I think it's actually a flower, perfume oil, and here's a picture of it, there it is behind me, it looks actually like a pretty regular perfume actually, Um, and you can buy this for a mere 10,000 US per ounce, just to, to bring it into sort of something that we would sort of understand, an ounce is just under 30 milliliters, so a very small amount of perfume. And this will cost you a mere 10,000 US. So, so this, uh, Mary brings to Jesus a 12-ounce jar of perfume, 12 ounces worth, if we actually equate it to this perfume, this would have cost you $120,000 US, which I don't even know what that is in Australian, but that is a, even a lot more, right? You know, it's like, like $200,000 or something like that. Um, and, and just look... I mean, but you got to understand, look, this is, this is the write-up of it. And, and I suppose you start to appreciate the value of this thing. Ask any fragrance connoisseur. Clive Christians, 100%, not 99%, you know, not 50%. It's a, clearly, it's 100% pure perfume oils are some of the most exquisite in the world. This one in particular is infused with a rare osmanthus flower, which adds a rich and sophisticated leathery undertone to the original fruity scent. It actually sounds like visiting a cafe in Melbourne, right? It's like got this fruity, leathery undertone, a little bit nutty. Um, (laughs) Each bottle also comes with its own hand-signed certificate of authenticity. It better have. I paid $10,000 for this. Just sign it. Like, how many are you moving? Like, maybe like one every year. Um, Which then is housed in a handmade walnut burr box that takes a team of craftsmen from northern England over four weeks to make. It sounds like the box that it arrives in is more like, like special than the perfume. But this is what you can get just in case you're considering buying your loved one some nice perfume for a mere 10,000 US per ounce. But that is not actually the most expensive perfume that is in the world. This year, earlier this year, and... Emirati Perfumery claims it has created the most expensive perfume in the world. It is called, and I'm sure I'm going to say it wrong, Shamuk. Shamuk. Meaning deserving the highest, no doubt, deserving the highest amount of money, like deserving the highest in Arabic. And I think we've got a picture of that. This is uh, Shamuk. Um, And it is priced at a nostril flaring 1.295 million US dollars. I know my voice broke. That's how excited I was about that. For, I mean, look, it's a value buyer. It's for a three liter bottle. I mean, that's going to last you a little while. It's it's the value buyer. But 1.29 million US dollars. And its makers say that it's a product of three years of research and 494 perfume trials. It comes in an Italian, a crystal bottle, which is 
adorned with gold, falcons, and Arabian horses, and roses, and a globe, and it contains 3,571 diamonds, 38.55 carats in total, and giant pearls, uh, 2.5 kilograms of 18 carat gold, and pure silver, and the list goes on. Oh my goodness, one, almost $1.3 million for this perfume. It's a little bit extreme. But bringing it back to my point this morning, <laughs> I, I think I've actually finished. Really, is that the right time, Ramon? I've only just started. But anyway, <laughs> I won't go there. I won't go there. But you can understand why this act was such an extraordinary, extra, over-the-top thing for Mary to do. But we need to understand that, that, that she came understanding who it was that she was presenting this gift to. See, worship is a fragrance, and worship leaves a fragrance. And I have to ask you again, what is the fragrance that your life is emitting? See, the truth is that, you know, we know that, that, that a certain odor, the certain fragrance of a person will either make someone attractive to us or make someone, like, repel us from someone, right? You understand that? You're around someone, you're like, man, it's been a tough day or a few days. Uh, and, uh, and so you're like, hey, catch up with you later on, you know, like, uh, or there's like, wow, that person just walked past and I just, it was just a beautiful smell. There is something about our senses that is that, that, that just this, this aroma, this fragrance is attractive to us. You know, there's, there is really clearly a distinct difference between something that is a cheap perfume versus an expensive perfume. I'm not even talking about your, your $1 million perfume, but, but you know what? I can go to a market, maybe it might even be Dandenong Market, but I've been to markets over in Thailand, and, uh, and I've seen something that looks like a really nice perfume on display, and uh, and. And I realize after just one little sort of smell, um, I haven't even got that far, to be honest with you. I know what I'm getting myself into. And I would never buy it for my wife because it would probably burn uh, the skin of, of my wife, you know, if they put it on. Just because it looks the same doesn't actually mean it is, right? And I wonder sometimes we can do all the right things. We can sing the songs. We can even lift our hands. Maybe you're even going to jump today, and that's fantastic. But the truth is, what actually is your life displaying? What's it emitting? What, what's, it, what's, it, what's it giving off? What's the odor? What's the fragrance of your life? Because the Bible tells us that our life, not just our song, is worship to God. And we didn't come and say, God, I want to give you the greatest worship, the most extravagant worship, because I believe that you deserve the highest praise. And that's what happens. And, and Mary comes to this moment and she takes out her perfume and she begins to anoint Jesus' feet. And it tells it, that's right, it's Bernie's perfume. I'm not even sure whether I bought it for you. Hopefully I did. Otherwise it's... Uh... And she begins to anoint Jesus' feet. And the Bible tells us that the fragrance, the aroma of that act filled the whole house. You know, physics will tell us that as soon as you start to spray something like a fragrance, it becomes airborne. It becomes to uh, evaporize and the, the, the molecules actually start to... Um, 
to, to go out, I think it's, uh, what's the right word? Disperse. That's right, disperse. And you'll soon find out that, you know, if you're on the first row, can you smell that? Put your hand up if you can smell the fragrance of the perfume already. Starting to head into the cheap seats and the, in the bleachers today. <laughs> the truth is that, that, that when Mary came, it was going to not just be about Jesus. It begins to affect the people that are around. And it's the same with your worship. When you begun, begin to live a life of worship to Jesus, you begin to spray out this, this odor of, of a life that is consecrated and devoted to Christ. Then it doesn't just affect just you and Jesus. The people around you start to get affected by it. They start to see. They start to smell. They start to observe. There is something about this person's life that is different they walked into the room and there's a different smell they walked past a certain situation there was a a different odor that was present when they came into the room you know this is what the bible says 2 corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 in the the passion translation it says god always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, get that? Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. We have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one to God, a perfume of life to those being saved and the odor of death to those who are perishing. The unbelievers smell a deadly stench that leads to death, but believers smell the life-giving aroma that leads to abundant life. And who of us can rise to this challenge? See, we need to understand that we give out a certain aroma, a certain fragrance in our life, and, and people are going to make comment. You know, that day they would have smelled the aroma, and there would have been people that said, what an amazing act of worship. Maybe some would have bowed down or in their hearts drawn near to Jesus that day, but there was others like Judas Iscariot that said, this is a terrible act, a wasteful act. I don't understand it. I wonder if there's been people in your life that maybe don't understand the decisions that you've made. Maybe there's people that have started to comment, started to judge. They don't get it. The church does this. The church does that. Christians are this, Christians are that. It doesn't make sense why you've, you've chosen to do different things in your life. But see, Mary had a reason that day to, to come with such extravagant worship. You know, to, to Mary, Jesus was more than just a good man. To Mary, Jesus was more than just a good teacher of the Scriptures. To Mary, Jesus was even more than just a miracle worker. Jesus was the person who had brought her brother from death back to life. We understand that. It tells us in that, this passage of Scripture that Mary's brother was Lazarus. And earlier, sometime earlier, Jesus had come when Lazarus was, was, was dead and he had raised him from death to life. So, so Mary is coming. We start to understand. Now it makes sense. Because to Mary, Jesus was the one who had brought her brother back to life. I can understand now why she would just be so lavish, so extra, so over the top. This perfume that cost me a year of my salary means nothing to me in comparison to the man who brought my brother 
from death back to life. You know, the Bible tells us that every one of us have been living in a state of death and darkness. But Jesus gave himself, his own body, his own sacrifice when he came. And he gave himself on that cross 2,000 years ago. And, and it says that if we choose to yield our lives to him, if we choose to accept his free gift of salvation, then we have been brought from death to life. I don't know about you, but I think that we've got something to be grateful for. I think we've got something to praise Jesus about today. I think we've got something to come and bring an extraordinary, extravagant, over-the-top worship once we realize we were once slaves and now we're free. We were once dead and we're, now we're alive in Christ. And for that reason, I think we could come and give Him extravagant worship today. Amen, church? Pastor Francis Chan puts it this way, isn't it a comfort to worship a God that we cannot exaggerate? It's a comfort to worship a God that we cannot exaggerate. See, worship is washing feet. Worship is the action of bowing down and washing feet. And that's what Mary did that day is she, she bowed down. You know, the, the reason why this is such an important thing is that uh, Jesse was speaking earlier about the roads of Jerusalem, and, and they're not the same roads as we understand here. And back in Jesus' time, the roads were mostly gravel, dirt, rock, uh, and, and there would have been everything walking. There would have been all the cattle. There would have been everything, all the markets happening in there. And there would have been the, the, the droppings and, uh, and the mud and the dust. And, and uh, they would walk down these streets along with all the animals. And what would happen as they had mostly open shoes, open sandals, that their feet would get dirty. Their feet would pick up the dung and the different, you know, droppings and the things from the day. And, and they would arrive and it was customary in those days that when a person would open their house to a guest, that they would have normally a bowl of water for that person to stop and wash their feet before they entered in. In fact, most of the houses would have a person assigned to do this, and this person was the lowest of the lowest ranking slave in that house. And their duty was to come and wash the, the guests' feet before they came in. And Mary that day lowers herself down to the rank of the lowest of the lowest of slaves to come and wash Jesus' feet. To do this act of worship, to honor Him that day. See, worship is washing feet. Worship is saying, God, I don't care about what others think of me. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about, there's no room for pride in worship. There's no room for this sense of, oh, I'm too good for this. But some of us think, oh, I'm, I wonder what other people are going to think of me. Maybe it's that moment where God's saying, just come down to the front. Just kneel. Just open your heart and you say, but, but that's not for me. That's for someone else. That's for those, that person that's had a real struggle this week. Maybe they sinned. Oh, not me. I'm a good Christian. There's no place for pride when it comes to extravagant worship. See, worship is washing feet. Now, Jesus, six days later, flips it on its head. This moment's happened and then tells us in John chapter 13. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that it, 
his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And it was the time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he'd come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for their feet to be entirely clean. And you are my disciple, you, 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 my disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. Six days later, six days before this moment, Jesus was in the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and, and Mary had come and washed Jesus' feet. And then six days later, he's gathered his disciples. This moment of the Last Supper, and he takes off his robe and he sits down, he kneels before their feet, and he begins to wash their feet. And no wonder Peter says, I don't understand what you're doing, Jesus, because like I said, this was the position of the lowest of the lowest ranking slave. And Jesus right here does something that is somewhat shocking, unexpected. See, to them, Jesus was their rabbi. Jesus was their teacher. Jesus was their master. Jesus was the promised king coming to deliver the Hebrew people. And they're like, Jesus, you can't do this. This is, this is even the students would do everything for their master, for their rabbi, except for the washing of the feet. That was for a slave. And Jesus comes in this moment and he flips it on its head and he says, do you understand that what I'm doing, it's going to mean something to you one day. You might not understand it right now. And Peter says, you can't do this, Jesus. I won't allow you to wash my feet. And Jesus makes this statement. The same statement that he makes to you and I today. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. See, what I've realized about worship, worship is the act of bowing down and washing Jesus' feet. But worship is also the act of allowing Jesus to come and wash our feet. See, we walk through things in life. We take on things. We pick up some dirt. We pick up some dung, some things that that aren't meant to be on us. And though if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are clean, who knows we still get dirty? Who who knows we still make mistakes? Who knows that we still let God down? And, And the moment of worship has been that thing that has allowed us to come back into that place where Jesus can be our cleanser. He can be our healer. We allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our life. See, I'm passionate about this area because that's what worship has meant in my life. You know, I was brought up in a broken family, and at the age of two, my parents got divorced. 
And I thought my life was just, hey, it was, it was fine. I had a great mom, brother. I knew my dad. Got to see my dad regularly. But I, but I started to realize at a point growing up that as much as I did everything to just get by in what I thought was normal, I couldn't marry up this idea that there was something missing, something broken, something not right in my life. And as much as I wouldn't admit it, as I look back now, I realized that I was, I was a broken person. I was a person that, that just the insecurities, the thoughts of others, the lack of really identity and different things would come in and, and they, would, they would leave this dirt on my life. I remember at the age of around about 16, 17 years of age, I was at a youth camp and there was a moment just to come and respond to the older call. And I knew God was speaking to me about just coming. I didn't understand what it was all about, but I, I responded. And I'm not much of a crier, but I just had a moment where I just, I just, just got an ugly cry going on. It was just like the whole works. Tears, snot, everything. I was like looking around. Someone was praying for me. I leant in on their shoulder just to sort of like wipe a little bit of the snot off on my sh- no, I'm joking. That's not true. That didn't happen. But it was a moment where God started to do a healing process. And, I, and it, to be honest with you, I'd like to say that it was just, that was it. That was the moment. But I realized that worship to me has been a healing process of God. Every time I come back into the presence of God, stitch by stitch, Moment by moment, stage by stage, He begins to do a cleansing work in my heart, a healing work in my life. It's like those moments I come back and I say, God, I don't understand what I need, but you know what I need. I don't understand what I've walked through in my life, but you know what I've walked through. And yes, you've made me clean on the inside, but there's stuff that's stuck to me, that's made me defiled. It's it's made me feel this way. I don't understand it. I think maybe even I think I'm normal, but you know what I need to be. And I believe today there's people here this morning that maybe worship to you has been that moment where you just lift up your voice to God. But God is saying, hey, worship is so much more than just singing. Worship is so much more than just a song. Worship is a moment where I want to come and do a healing work in your life. I really believe that I was, as I was praying this week that there is, God was saying, I want to restore broken people. I want to heal and cleanse people that have just carried things. You know, it wasn't my fault. I didn't, I didn't uh, ask for that to happen in my family. And I thought everything was okay. But then I realized as I started to walk through life, I was broken. It wasn't okay. And it was only until I came into that moment in the presence of God that Jesus began to wash my feet. You know the cool thing about it? was that God in His presence leaves His fragrance, His aroma on us. You know what the Bible tells us? That passage I read earlier, I'm going to say it again in a different translation. It says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We are no longer our own aroma no longer our own failings, no, no longer, we don't look like that because to God the Father, we smell like and we look like Jesus Christ. And that's good news today. You don't have to look at yourself and go, have I been good enough this week? Have I done enough to please God? Because we don't need to please God in our own efforts anymore. We can, by accepting Jesus Christ, 
know that we have right standing before the Father. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.